Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, congratulations to the Washington Capitals. They are the Stanley Cup champions. Oh, what might have been for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And the Rays lose their seventh straight game, this time 5-4 to four to the Seattle Mariners. Jake Bowers makes his Major League debut. And Gerald McCoy, he gets an earful from defensive line coach Brenson Buckner. We'll also have Booger McFarland's take on Jameis Winston this season. All that and Terrell Owens not going to his induction ceremony for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I'm not making this up. All that on Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Before we get started on the podcast, let me tell you about our sponsor, Continental Wholesale Diamonds. So you found your soulmate. Congratulations are in order. No doubt your head is swimming with excitement and the plans for the future. And it's not just about the proposal. In particular, what about the engagement ring? Do you want to surprise her with it when you propose? Or maybe you want to shop for it together. No matter what you decide about the how, the where is the easy part. Visit my friend Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. That's where you're going to find the best engagement and wedding rings. You're going to see brilliant diamonds in every cut imaginable. They have loose diamonds as well as those mounted on precious metals. And the choices are available. They range from classic to traditional to unique and those that are also trendy. And the best thing about Continental Wholesale Diamonds... Well, it's wholesale prices. No pressure. You're going to come in, and he's going to show you whatever catches your eye. He's going to help you to decide that perfect diamond for your fiancé while being respectful of your price range. Plus, you're going to learn the finer points of shopping for diamonds in the process. Guys, go see Andy. I'm telling you, you're not going to beat his prices. It's Continental Wholesale Diamonds. That's where you pay wholesale. It's where I shop, and they're at 1715 Northwest Shore Boulevard, Suite 150, right next to the Penthouse Club. So, Steve, how about the Washington Capitals? They beat the Las Vegas Knights 4-3. to They win the Stanley Cup. They've been playing, I guess, hockey. This is their 44th year of hockey, and they get it done. And it's on the 14th anniversary, no less, of the Lightning winning their Stanley Cup back in 2004. Alex Ovechkin is a Conn Smythe winner. He was a leading goal scorer in the playoffs. Here's the question of the night I have for you, and uh, we can bat this around a little bit. Should the Lightning feel better or worse that the Caps won the Stanley Cup? Well, they were the only team to take them to seven games. They had a 3-2 lead against them. See, now they, you're making me feel close. worse. They were close. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I mean, they were want, so close. Do you, that, want, do you want to get beat by the champ, or do you want to get beat by the team who got beat by the champ? I think this makes you – you could make an argument that the Lightning were the this year were the second-best team, even though they didn't – obviously make it to the Stanley Cup final so Las Vegas would take issue with that but they were in the Western Conference but certainly they they did a better job against the Capitals than than Las Vegas did because they did take them as you said to seven games they had a lead uh, needed to win one out of the final two didn't score and didn't get it done but short of the Washington Capitals it is a pretty good argument to make now having said all that how bad do they feel that if they could have just won that series and, um, you know, put them away, 
they probably, I mean, I just, just looking at how, and I know they're a different team than the Capitals. I mean, clearly it would have been a different series, but I still think the Lightning would have, would have won that series against the Las Vegas Knights. I think the Vegas matchup was a much better one for them than the Capitals. Yes. Um, based on style and type of play, the, the, the Knights are very similar to the Lightning in the way the team is built and the way they play mm-hmm. and the structure and all that. Um, you know, as far as the Capitals go, you know, what might have been? I mean, the Ca- Capitals were down 0-2 in the first round of Columbus, losing both games at home. They go to overtime in game three in Columbus. Now, they win that game, but if they lose that game and go down 0-3, the whole playoffs no could be very different. Back. Yeah, I mean, yeah. at that point, Columbus probably wins that series, and then it's a Columbus-Pittsburgh second-round matchup. Who knows what happens in this playoffs? Uh, you know, right? And you know that being said, too, the Lightning were up three games to two. If they could have won Game Six or Game Seven, it's a two whole different shots playoff. I mean, uh, but credit to the Capitals; uh, they won four straight against. They lose Game One in Vegas, win four straight mm-hmm. to win the Cup. Alex Ovechkin, the greatest player, active player, never to win one, has won it. So now. Is Steven Stamkos that title? We've talked about that the last couple nights. I think he is. I mean, I, I, I guess you could probably come up with another name if we thought you about come it. Some for young a while. Guy, you can come some young guys like a Connor McDavid or whatever, but you know, he's been in the league two years. You can't really count him in that. You know, right. I think you have to you have to make it somebody that, that has has, you know, some sweat equity in this league. I mean, yeah, some longevity Stamkos. and a history, a proven history of being a great player. And and one and even more even more frustrating if you're Stamkos is You've been to the Stanley Cup. You've been to Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Finals and lost twice. Um, you've been to the three you times know, to the three out of you know really three out of four years. Really, you've you've gotten uh, all the way down the road, and you still haven't hoisted the cup. And you're hearing your clock tick a little louder. I know he signed for a number of years to go, but injuries has been a factor in his career. Um, it's hard to believe he's played what nine or ten years already, um, something like that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah, 10 I seasons think, already, 10 seasons. I think he becomes the de facto best player in the NHL, a captain, not not an all-star, not to win a Stanley Cup. I think I think it belongs to Steven Stamkos and the pressure that goes with it, you know. Now, I'll say this, and they're different players, obviously, um, but the great thing about sport, like you don't you don't have to play hockey, you don't have to like hockey may not be your favorite sport. You might just be somebody that loves sports, that watches all sports. But when you see an athlete put a team on his back and and sort of just will that team to win, like no matter no matter the circumstances, you know, uh, facing elimination, two games in a row, all, all the all the scenarios you just mentioned, it did not matter. He said after the game that um, you know they just refused to give in to the past. You know, like. It didn't matter what had happened; they were going to win it this year, and just that that perseverance and some of the plays he made just were pure. It was it was more will than skill, and he's an incredibly skilled guy. But you could see him just willing himself um, to to make these incredible plays, and I I was so impressed with Ovechkin that just to be a sports fan, I felt I felt good for him watching him skate around with the Stanley Cup. Yeah, it's you know if you're a sports fan, you can't not like that moment. As as close as he's been, and Pittsburgh's usually been the one knocking him out every year in the second round. They finally get past that this year, and you know you think okay, they're playing the Lightning now. They're gonna they're gonna get beat, and he wills them past the Lightning, and then into the Stanley Cup. 
Um, you know, the amount of history he's got from MVPs to Rocket Richard trophies to goals to, you know, the greatest Russian player probably ever. Um, and right. now he's backed it up with the Stanley Cup. It's it's a tremendous moment in sports. You know, he's such a complete, you know, he, he's got an elite shot, maybe the best shot in hockey. But he's also physical. He also, you know, plays the game right. Um, although, you know, he slashed Marc-Andre Fleury before the game tonight. I don't know if you saw that or not, just in a fun little thing. <laughs> no. Did he really? Uh, during during skate warm-ups, he kind of went by and gave him a little tap, and then Andre Fleury came back and slashed him. And uh, you know, But I think it was more fun than it was. There was no more. Well, all, the, all those years when Pittsburgh – well, Exactly. Uh, and, and how about Barry Trotz? Barry Trotz he's coaching a free the Capitals. Agent. Well, everyone you – know, there was a – I won't say – a lot of people – there's people that think that if he didn't win the Stanley Cup this year, he's being fired, and no one predicted them to win the Stanley Cup. And so, Correct me and, if I'm wrong. He's a free agent. He is. So now I'm guessing that he he'll be I back. I can't believe and, he'll stay. Yeah, but I mean, but you know, there's a lot of people that money. thought you know even getting the Stanley Cup wasn't enough for him. Really? Wow. You know, from all the history of the past and never being able to get past Pittsburgh and past the second round, and you know what a comeback story for him too. And and yeah. you know maybe that helped him coach looser, and maybe that helped the team. I mean, you know, you know, you know, you don't know the inner workings necessarily. I mean, you can speculate and guess, and players will say certain things and. Either you know maybe that made him looser and it made everything better, or everyone was we're winning for our coach. Yeah, I don't you know coaching. I mean, it's funny about this um, about hockey. Like, if you win one Stanley Cup, you'll you'll never be without work because there's so few guys that have actually won it. Um, it's like you know, I mean, Torch is still coaching. This is what his fourth team or something like that, at least. Um, yeah, so it, it's you know it's a it's a it's a hard thing to do as a player or a coach and it puts you in a different category altogether by winning it. It is no question. And the, the same pressure exists on those guys. It does on players. I don't, I, I know coaching matters. I, I have a hard time measuring. Like I'm trying to think of, of, of the, of the major sports. Okay. Um, obviously there's good in there's good in every sport, right? I think Steve Kerr is a terrific coach, but my goodness, mm -hmm. does he have some talent, well, right? Yeah. I mean, how many other people could coach that team to win? championships a lot i think and a it's lot. not taking me away from steve kirk because i actually think he's i think he's best. terrific and, and i think he will win a lot of play you know this is the old argument with uh you know uh what phil, phil collins right phil jackson phil jackson I mean, he had phil michael collins. jordan scotty pippen Jeez, and, he, got, and he goes gets kobe uh, and Shaq, and you know yeah i mean it's he's he always surrounded himself with iconic players but um but still there's some there's some genius in managing that as well um and yet you know Tyrone Liu, you know, can can win a, can can win the NBA with with LeBron, right? And anybody. So I don't. In baseball, all you have to do is look at the salaries, and they'll tell you that there's not a lot of feeling that the manager. Now I know Joe Madden is one of the better ones, and and he makes a lot of money, and um, you know, he hasn't he hasn't uh, he's won a World Series now with the Cubs, which you know potentially puts him in the Hall of Fame with the number of, of wins and things. But there's, you know, there's not that many managers that have, like, multiple um, World Series wins. So I, I don't know the impact that a baseball coach has. Football, I think, no question. Look at Bill Belichick. You look at, you know, I still think good organizations win, but coaching is, is, is definitely, um, you know, a, a direct correlation to winning there. I think, I think football teams and their head coaches are big. I don't know how to measure it with hockey. I mean, you would know more than me, but I, I, I know it matters, but I don't know how much it matters.
It definitely matters. Um, I don't know if it's as much from the X's and O's standpoint as, say, football, where you're calling every play, whether yeah. offense or defense, and you know the coaching really does matter. But yeah, because of the the nonstop action up and down the ice, uh, you know, I don't know if it's, it's so much from an X's and O's standpoint. Although, you know, your, si- your system, obviously. your structure, your uh, your lines. Line, line changes, and mm-hmm. and yeah, you know, the lines you're rolling out there, and the matchups you're going to play. I mean, you know, there is a lot there's of coaching lot to, to it. it. It's not that it's yeah. not, but I think there's more to the grind of the season, the the yes. psychology. I think more of that than say in a football season per se. Right. Right. And the best thing about uh, the Washington Capitals winning this, of course, is that not only did they win it, but they won it in Las Vegas. Yeah, what better? You know, you'd rather win the cup at home, but I wonder if they can find some place to celebrate. I just, I hope something's <laughs> still open tonight for them to celebrate. Yeah, yeah, the Denny's is all they got. I mean, it's not like, <laughs> it's not like you're in Columbus, Ohio. I mean, it's, it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be like. Um, uh, like the hangover meets the Stanley Cup. I mean, <laughs> I just hope they don't. Have... I hope they don't lose Doug or the Stanley Cup. <laughs> Doug is back. He's back because <laughs> we're the three best capitals that anyone could have. And then you're gonna have like, um, you know, the the Tiger and the whole. You know, Mike Tyson's gonna show up. Imagine the pictures. I mean, the Stanley Cup has its own. I'm sure X-rated uh, history on, uh, onto its own. But you're right, man. They're, they're, those guys could get in some trouble tonight. <laughs> I mean, they really could. <laughs> I mean, can you marry the Stanley Cup? Because there's probably a chapel that's open. If it can be done, it'd be done in Vegas. I'm sure. I mean, somebody's taking that thing to the Bunny Ranch tonight. You just know it's going to happen. <laughs> so hope, hopefully hopefully, uh, not too many wives made the trip. But, yeah, it's, it's, it is the place to celebrate. And, and there were – and and rightfully so, right? Because they've waited again. This is like their forty fourth season. But there were a lot of cap fans in the house. I imagine what they paid for those tickets tonight. I, th- I think I saw somewhere where there was some center ice tickets went for thirty two grand. Thirty two grand. But you know, Las Vegas are used to paying that, right? All the boxing matches and the, yeah, the high rollers and the big events. Look, if you're a Washington fan and you've never had a championship, and your city hasn't had a championship since nineteen ninety two. And you got a chance to go to Vegas to win it in Game Five. Why wouldn't you if you got the cash? What is it better? The Vegas fans apparently went. "Eh, Well, we're down three-one. Let me make some money. Buy next year's season tickets. Right, right. Yeah, it was funny because after the game, um, you know, Doc Emmerich was talking about how, and you know, and the Capitals have waited forty-three years. This is their forty-fourth season to raise the Stanley Cup. And I thought, what would that sound like if Las and the Las Vegas Knights have waited? Almost 12 months to raise the Stanley Cup. <laughs> I mean, there was something about this. As the clock's winding down, my wife said to me, and she's right. She goes, you know what? It wouldn't have been right for Vegas to win it in their first year, please. You know, like, that just that should not have happened, and it didn't. And the hockey gods made sure of it because the, you know, look what Ovechkin had been through. And, you know, you give all the credit in the world to Las Vegas doing what they did in their first season. It's, it's just it's one of the best stories in in sports, but it wouldn't have been right, would it? It would have been the perfect fairy tale Hollywood storybook ending. But, yeah. But man, for every other franchise going, really? Ugh. Yeah. It just wouldn't have felt good. So anyway, I feel good for the Caps. I'm not sure you should feel better or worse for the Lightning. Probably better uh, or maybe worse. It, it just depends on your perspective. Again, um, you know, 
but for the grace of a few goals, maybe it's the Lightning that's skating around tonight on their 14th anniversary of winning the Stanley Cup back in 04. So we'll uh, we'll congratulate the Caps and, and we'll move on. Speaking of teams that won't be hoisting any trophies soon, the Tampa Bay Rays lost their seventh in a row, this time 5-4 to four to Seattle. Steve, you were just, at this Just game. a week ago, they were up. There were two games above 500. What happened? <laughs> I don't know. I think the Ray. I think we know who the Rays are. As as Denny Green would say, the Rays are who we thought they were. Um, and so now, well, you've, you know, you've heard of teams that play to the level of competition. Well, the Rays are right. the opposite. They're beating the teams they're supposed to beat. Yes, but the ones they're that are, are going to be in yeah. the playoffs, they're not doing very well against <laughs> at all. I mean, they don't even beat them once. It's not. It's not even like they just get swept by these teams. Um, and you know, clearly Seattle's having a great year. They get up. They get up five to one in this game, and in part because Carlos Gomez decides to lob one back to second and bounce it while a guy rounds third and scores. Um, just bad, bad ball. Denard Span uh, took out some say. revenge for being traded. Yeah, he did. Boy, he he blasted one to right field, scored a couple runs, um, and then just for good measure, the Rays rallied a little bit in the ninth inning. They scored three runs with two outs. Alex Colomay. Though closes it out, and uh, so he gets a little uh, a little revenge as well. But but in um, typical you know, Alex Colomay fashion, he made it interesting. He got it. He got it done. He made it exciting. He got it done, and he celebrates at the trap. But the big the story of the night was going to be um, Jake Bowers, who of course made his major league debut. And I'll tell you what, he didn't embarrass himself. He didn't get anything in the scorebook. But he hit two, at least two or three balls on the screws. Two right? two balls came off his bat at 107 plus miles an hour. Uh, some bad luck. D Gordon robbed him of two hits. Um, yeah, but he was 0 for four for the night. Had a questionable called third strike, strike uh, check three. swing in the ninth. But made a fantastic play, I think, in the fifth inning on a foul yep. ball over the rail at the dugout. Yep. Um, so he, every, so now we have a first baseman that can catch the ball. He's really good. I mean, that's that's a strength of his. I mean, he's a very smooth fielding guy. He handled a couple balls um, off the bat as well. And, um, you know, he looked the part. I mean, that's, you know, the other thing they were talking about on the broadcast was just how he has this sort of reputation of just, he barrels everything up. I mean, it is not, it is rare for him not to hit a ball hard. Mm -hmm. And he did. He hit the ball hard all night long. They were just at people. So I think the other one was 95 miles an hour that he put in play. Yeah. So two at 107 and one at 95. He hit some ropes. And and, um, I think, look, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. If this might be who who the Rays are, and certainly their pitching is just a, an absolute mess right now because of the injuries. And now you got Archer on the DL, and um, you know the Tommy Johns and everything that's gone on with that. This whole bullpen thing. I mean, Stanek had trouble in the first you're, inning. You're walk, they're walking too many guys. I mean, that's, yeah, that's exactly. ultimately what the you know walks kill you. Yeah, they come back to score their leadoff walks. I mean, you know, they bring in Pruitt. And he walks his first battery faces on four damn pitches. I mean, you're either not getting it done in the bullpen or – and I've always – I mean, it is a human game, right? But it's like I know these guys are trying to be fine and execute pitches and not throw it over the middle of the plate. But it is hard to believe that you have one job, <laughs> throw strikes, right? I mean, we saw Max Scherzer, who has just great stuff. I understand that. But he had the immaculate inning the other night. you know, and it's like He threw 99 attacks. pitches in the game. 81 were strikes. Yeah, I mean, just absolutely, you could throw everything over the plate, and and to to come out of the bullpen and not be able to throw a strike, just buries you, you know. And, and of course, it wound up it wound up hurting uh, hurting Pruitt in the race. So, 
they lose this game. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I do want to see the, more of Bauer for sure and, and more of what they got down in Durham, Steve. I think – you know, it's only a matter of time before we start seeing other players. I come think up. Willie Adamas will be up before you know it. Um, mm-hmm. Not sure where they'll make room for him on the roster to do that. Uh, right. Probably Christian Arroyo will be sent down. Uh, he's not playing much right now, anyway. So you probably want him going back down to yeah to get some playing time. Because uh, Duffy's your third baseman. Yeah, but you know, I'd like to see you know Adamas up for sure, and then you know maybe another couple guys come up at this point. Um, you know, if you think they're ready for the big leagues, don't rush them here. But if they're ready. You know, Willie Domas was saw for a couple games as uh, Joey Wendell had paternity leave earlier this season. And he yep. looked he looked he looked pretty good for the first couple games. So now he got his feet wet. Let's bring him back up permanently now. Yeah. No, I, I think that's the way they're gonna have to go and, and um you know, you're gonna take your lumps this year. There's no doubt about that. They're not ready to compete with Boston or New York and some of the better teams in the American League. So it, it's just it, it is what it is, but uh, I still think it's going to be exciting to watch these young guys develop, and, and that's going to be the key, you know, is uh, is whether they can develop while they're playing in the big leagues. So um, interesting game uh, for the Rays, who had a chance to win it. They made it exciting. you got to give them that. They didn't quit on their at-bats for sure. I was at uh, OTAs today. Pretty interesting out there with the Bucks as well. Now, this was their final organized team activity. They had four of them this week. We, get to, we got to see one, uh, which was this afternoon, and then next week they have uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursdays, the mandatory mini camp. And that wraps it up until we get to training camp in July, which is not that far away, folks. Um, we have still not seen Justin Pierre-Paul. For whatever reason, he has decided not to be on the practice field. These things are voluntary, but it's kind of surprising that, you know, a guy who was traded with a new defense did not get on the grass. He was, I guess, in, in the uh, building a few times, but um, I don't know what he's done exactly. Um, some, some of the guys were missing today too, but, uh, it was interesting. They did a lot of red zone work and, um, you know, saw, saw, saw some run pass option with, uh, Jameis Winston, which I think is something they're trying to do to, to sort of, you know, it's a copycat league. And, um, we saw the success that the Philadelphia Eagles had with that last year. So Jameis scored on a, you know, pulled the ball out of the running back's gut and and then ran around and, 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 you know, waltzed to the end zone. So there's some interesting things to watch. But the biggest thing of all that you're going to see uh, online, um, because there's some video of it, is um, Gerald McCoy uh, in an 11-on-11 a team drill. I don't know if they were in two minutes or what exactly the scenario is. Usually they, they, you know, they play certain situational football. But he jumps off sides, and he jumps off sides because it's a hard count. I mean, Jameis is trying – to get that that reaction, and he gets it. And shortly thereafter, Brenson Buckner, who's a new defensive line coach, and Brenson, you know, obviously he played like 12 years in the NFL. So it, it is sort of rare at times to find, you know, a, a position coach that's a modern-day guy that played because a lot of guys don't go into coaching. There's The money is uh, – they've made enough money. And- you should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. So it's the long hours, and Brentson comes with a ton of respect. And 
let me tell you, he lit in to Gerald McCoy, and he did it in front of everybody. Um, and he, the point he made was, when this guy jumped offside, I pulled him out. When that guy jumped offside, I pulled him out. And and I think he was just making the point that you know, I don't care who you are. You know, I'm I don't play favorites here. And I'm telling you, that was um, I I don't think it bothered Gerald. I mean, Gerald sat there and took it, and sort of had this blank look on his face. Um, I don't think he was shocked by it necessarily. But I think it was really good to see that, um, you know, he's going to coach hard and he's going to coach everybody hard. Well, one of the things, you know, one of the themes from last season was players weren't being held accountable, specifically Chris Baker. Right. And when he jumped off sides in Carolina and kind of laughed it off um, after being told, don't jump off sides. Right. Um, you know, but in, from the fans' perspective and even players saying, we need to hold each other accountable. We need to be more mm-hmm. accountable. And now you've got a coach doing it to your star player, your best player on the team. Mm-hmm. And you made a good point. I mean, and I agree with you that uh, I, don't, I don't think it bothers McCoy that that happened, but I think it was important that it happened. I think McCoy knows he deserved it. Yeah. I mean, he did jump offside. He got drawn off on a hard count. You can't do that. Right. And but I mean the fact that he would call him out so publicly in, in an OTA where he knows there's cameras and I mean do you think that's an accident that that was so so public or do you think it was intentional? Uh, I'm guessing from Buckner it was intentional. Me too. He knew he knew the <laughs> stage there. Now whether McCoy whether at the time realized film, it yeah. or not, or you know I, yeah. I you know I think McCoy's a smart guy and as he thinks about it he would know that that was probably done for a reason too. But at the yeah. time did he know that I don't know. Well, we talked to some guys afterwards, and I, I talked to Benny Curry a little bit about, you know, about Buckner. They, they have a lot of respect for him because he was a player. And what does that mean? Well, I mean, look, Rob Marinelli didn't play in the NFL, and he's the best defensive line coach in football. Um, and guys certainly respected him too. But I think, I think when a coach tells you, um, you know, I played with a guy who was like you, and this is what he did, or this is the film you need to watch – or, you know, and he understands how each player is different because he's been on the field with them. He's been on the field with all those types of players. Um, you know, and talking of any Curry, you know, that's that has so much weight for these players um, to have a position coach who, you know, can relate to what they're going through, to where they are in their careers. Um, you know, Gerald McCoy is a 30-year-old player, and Buckner was there at one point in his career. And it's it's not so much the physical anymore. It's like it's the mental part of the game, like jumping off sides or not jumping off sides. Um, you know, it's it's understanding what teams are trying to do to you. And so, you know, for, for Buckner, he's had all these experiences, and that's just sort of what you hear from, you know, the players. And, uh, and again, we, we had a couple today with Noah Spence and some others. But they all, to a man, just really respect. And they all mention – you know, Buck doesn't have any favorites, man. He, he, you know, he, he holds everybody accountable. And, and that word is, is the one we heard, like you mentioned, at the end of the season last year where the players didn't hold him accountable. But I think it starts with your head coach. And in time, these guys will do that. They will all be accountable to each other, and they'll become one unit. And they were the last group off the field today, and that was not an accident either. I mean, they all, you know, after they meet as a team, every position usually gets – gets together and then breaks it down and the defensive line were still out there talking for a long time and then got together and and, and walked off together so it's uh it's gonna be an interesting group to watch because you got Bo Allen you got Benny Curry two guys from the Super Bowl Eagle team that um, were part of a rotation and that's what they're talking about you know 
it, it's it's not the number of plays it's the you know the plays that you that you're able to play hard and um you know so you may not see Joe McCoy play 60 plays you may see him play 45 but are they you know are are the 10 in the fourth quarter the ones that make the difference um so pretty interesting um and and now we're down to three mandatory days where Jason Pierre-Paul has to come uh or we'll get fined and we'll get to see them all together next week the, the practices won't look any different they're not open to the public they're still not in pads there's not a whole lot uh really distinguishable other than all the players have to be there but um you know but we're we're getting to that point now when when they come back in July it's getting ready to play your preseason game and they've got um, you know, one trip to Tennessee where they play the Titans, and they're going to have a joint practice up there. So there'll be some there'll be some extra things in training within the structure of training camp. But before you know it, man, the football is here, and it's uh, it'll be a little break away, and then you know we'll go on vacation a little bit. But um, it's it's incredible just how fast this thing has gone. So I mentioned I had a chance the other day to sit down with Booger McFarland. We're going to be doing a lot of stuff, uh, you know, in in the future on on Booger. I got like a two part interview that you guys will be uh, fascinated to listen to. But in the in the context of or the the opportunity to sit down with him, I, I ran through some topics with Booger just quickly. And of course, he's now going to be part of the Monday Night Football crew, um, going from college where he was on Game Day and um, you know the SEC Network and and did the ABC broadcast last year now doing the NFL um, and certainly he's familiar with this franchise and has, has been watching the Bucks um, ever since he played for them obviously and had some thoughts about Jameis Winston and you know I, I wanted to share these with you because I thought his insight was was pretty good and and I really pretty spot on so here's Booger McFarland talking about Jameis Winston. Bucks at the crossroads because I, I think they made some bad personnel moves um, I think Jason Light will tell you He's tried to rectify that by building up the offensive defensive line this year. Last couple of years, I think he failed at that. Some of that's not his own fault with the health of some guys. Um, and I think the franchise has been, been, been snake bit a little bit. You go back to Carl Nix, uh, paid him a lot of money, he's told, never really performed. J.R. Squeezy, a lot of money to the back. So they've been kind of snake bitten a little bit. Ultimately, the success of this franchise is going to depend on one thing, and that's James Winston. Number three. It's going to depend on him. He's such a, uh, uh, and we don't know as we sit here what's going to happen with with whatever uh, investigation and the outcome of that. But um, what do you make of Jameis Winston? On the one hand, he has shown signs of being that guy, right, and mm-hmm. put up big numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's won 18 games in three years. Mm-hmm. And at what point does does the winning have to be the measure of the quarterback, even though it's a team sport? Um, I think. Winning is a factor, but I would add another word to it. He's got to play winning football. All right? Wins and losses can't be stuck on a quarterback. It's got to be, it's, it's got to be winning football. He's got to put himself in a position where his team can win. Because if he goes out and he walks off the field and, you know, his team is up and it's late fourth quarter and the defense has got to make a stop and they don't, that's not on him. So he's got to play winning football, meaning he needs probably a three-to-one turnover, uh, TD to interception ratio. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the best quarterbacks in the league are three, three and a half to one. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this day and age, with the, the way the game's officiated, 65% completion for 60 to 65 is, is pretty much like he's that, that's that's normal. He's kind of there now. Yeah, that's that's where he needs to be, 60 to 65. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's got to understand how. 
to be a leader. To me, his, his, his next step has nothing to do with, with the physical tools. Mm-hmm. I think the physical tools will happen. Like, this is natural. Like, you, you continue to get better. Mm-hmm. He wants to be a leader so bad. You know, I go back to the New Orleans, the licking the fingers and all that. That's manufacturing. At some point, he thought about, hey, this is what I'm going to do. No. The best leaders I've been around, they never tried to lead. All they try to do is be themselves. And their work ethic and their ability to go above and beyond what everybody else did shows. But he, he is himself it includes a little bit of this rah rah wide open. Let's yeah, go. And that needs to. You got to understand how to how to temper. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying be somebody different because Tom Brady's always getting fired. People, he's over there head button and so th- th- there's always going to be some of that. But how do you? Don't manufacture it. Don't manufacture it. And the greatest, if you look at the best quarterbacks in the league, they, they all have a similar look. I'm not saying that. I'm not talking about physical. How they carry themselves. You know, they step to the press, they step to the podium, they look a certain way. You see them in public, they look a certain way. You listen to them talk, they talk a certain way. The way they lead, all right? There's the way they dress. Mm-hmm. The situation they do or do or do not get themselves into. Off the field. Off the field. Mm-hmm. There's a certain way you got to carry yourself, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that's just, man, if you look at them all, like, just look at the ones that are successful. They all go about it the same, they, they go about it the same way. They, they take the heat, when they're not supposed to take it. They take the success probably when they're not supposed to take it. But they understand that's how you lead. He's got to learn how to – well, he's got to learn really simple. Less is more. Less of the rah-rah manufacturer. Like, lead that to McCoy. Lead that to – hey, be the quarterback. It's a natural leadership position. Anyway. You touch the ball every play. Yeah. Whether you want it or not, it's there. You don't have to manufacture it. He learns that. I think this team will take the next step. And he's going in his fourth year, so you allow for him to grow that way? I mean, it, it, he's going up against guys in his own division that have got eminently more experience. Yeah, but he's not, he, he doesn't have to compete against them. He's got to compete. He's going to be judged against them, but he doesn't have to compete against them. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a difference. Mm-hmm. He's got to come at his own pace. He's the youngest guy out of all those guys. Yeah. He's, what, 24? Yeah. I mean, Breeze is 38. Matt Ryan's in his 30s. 32. Cam Newton is getting ready to be 30 yeah. if he's not already. So he's, he's, he's a young guy. Be a, it's okay to be young. We understand you're younger. Mm-hmm. But there's also, when you're young, there's got to be an upside. And you, you got to show me that upside. Mm-hmm. Show me that upside by continuing to get better. Mm-hmm. You know, because if he was in the same position at 32, they'd be ready to move on. But the reason that we, we are still here is because you're 24. Because mm-hmm. we know what's coming. Mm-hmm. We, you just got to show us that you know how to get there. So again, and we've heard this now several times. We've heard this from Todd Munkin. Now we hear it from Booger McFarlane where, you know, Jameis doesn't have to try as hard. You know, that, that the position itself is one of leadership. Um, you know, you just have to focus sort of on your job and everything else kind of comes naturally around it. And it is, as you mentioned, it's, you know, it's the, whether it's the licking the fingers or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, you know, getting up in front. Too much of that was a little staged, and and he just needs to let it let it come from his natural leadership uh, position, and everything uh, should flow from that. So, pretty interesting takes by uh, Booger McFarland, who again said, you know, you, you don't really measure the quarterback by wins, but whether or not he plays well enough to win, whether or not he plays winning football, and winning football is sort of what I, I think what what Jameis Winston has to get to. We, we make a lot of the record, the fact that he's only won 18 games in three years, but, you know, that's a function of the whole team. But how much 
of that is on Jameis. If Jameis does his job, does he put them in position to win each Sunday, that's going to be the step that he needs to make um, this year. The other story in the NFL, of course, was uh, – and this, this happened in the afternoon – Terrell Owens, who, you know, it took him, what, three years to finally be elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, certainly deserving. I mean, numerically, you know, if you look at his stats, one of the top two, three receivers in NFL history, and and yet he was known as a bad teammate. I mean, everywhere he went, there seemed to be troubles that followed him, whether it was the Eagles or the Dallas Cowboys or the 49ers. Um, you know, there was always some friction and didn't always leave on the best of terms, needless to say. Uh, but he went to a Super Bowl, and he played hurt, and, you know, the Eagles lost, I think, to the Patriots that one year. And so, um, you know, he, he accomplished a lot in his career. But he was always very sour about the fact that he wasn't a first ballot Hall of Famer, and he wasn't even on the second ballot. He didn't make it either. Uh, and I know these voters, and let me tell you, it's it's not always, you know, uh, based on numbers or who's you know who they're up against. I mean, their personalities matter, and and writers have long memories, and they I don't want to say they punish guys, but they they hold the first ballot part of it in in uh, sort of special reverence for people that uh, do everything on the field right, and uh, and so you know Owens had to wait, but you know what Chris Carter had to wait, you know Art Monk had to wait forever, um, and so today he comes out and says, well. You know, I've thought about this, and, you know, he's been to Canton because you got to make these preparations for the Hall of Fame, going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and now he's decided, you know, I'm not going to take part in my induction ceremony, which would make him, I think, the first living player to never never actually go to Canton and, you know, be on those steps and have his bust and everything and inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame with his Hall of Fame class, which includes, you know, guys like Ray Lewis and, uh, I mean, you know, Brian, uh, Brian Urlacher, some really unbelievable players. Um, so what do you make of this, Steve? I mean, I just think this is who Terrell Owens has always been, and he's just demonstrating this now with the latest team that he's a part of and one that won't really forgive him for it, by the way, and that is the Pro Football Hall of Famers. There's only 300 and something of these players that are in the Hall of Fame, living or dead, and now he's he's pissed off his new teammates. Well, maybe it's like Pete Rose. He's just going to have an autograph signing down the street during the Hall of Probably. Fame ceremony. I mean, he said he's going to do something special for it, and he'd have an announcement later. So maybe he's, right. maybe he's seeing all the money Pete makes around the corner from the Hall of Fame, and he's going to do that too instead of going <laughs> to the ceremony. Although Pete's not invited, so I guess it's a little different. <laughs> Is that what Pete did, by the way? He'd go to... Every year he does an autograph signing down the street from the Hall of Fame. Does he really? Yeah, or he used to. Maybe he doesn't anymore. I know he used to. Yeah, he used to do a He's signing. going to Cooperstown, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they used to do that all the time. I mean, that's yeah, Pete's I... job as a professional autographer. That's oh, his career. No doubt. And now this yeah, year, no. this year they're offering $150. You can get a Father's Day video personalized of him wishing your father a happy Father's Day for 150 bucks. Yeah, but that's because his autograph is worth zero because he signed so many You're of them. amazed how much he still it. makes for him. Really? Oh, he does signings all the time, and he, he ain't doing them for free. But it seems to me that if you've signed that many times that your autograph is devalued. Like Joe if you, Montana. If you don't have at least three balls signed by Pete Rose, you, you've, you've done something wrong because there's so many out there. But that's my point. They can't have any value anymore. He still gets paid to do autograph signings, and people show up. And I know, but now, now, that, now he has to you know, wish people Happy Father's Day because the autograph itself isn't worth enough. You need a video to go with it. 
that's my point. It's like they keep coming up with new things, you know, but he's, he's, you know, I know players, Montana being one of them, that even though he signs and he, and he has a memorabilia guy, he's very strategic about how many autographs he puts out there. Pete is. So Pete's the, all about the money. <laughs> well, they all get paid, but I mean, you're devaluing. I mean, that's all Pete has. I understand. Well, he, that's his know, career. He, that's his job if he's now. 25 cents an autograph, he would do it. He would just keep signing, but um, wow, that's something. Well, Owens will probably do push-ups and you know and sign autographs at the same time. I, the guy is the guy is just sort of a fruitcake, and but the backlash is, and I'm talking about from guys that are friends of his, Michael Irvin, who has been pretty um, supportive of Terrell Owens and him getting in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he he had some text messaging going back and forth with him. He's pissed. I mean, he's really mad at Owens for about this. He thinks he's making a huge mistake. Um, do you, do Owens, you think? Do you think Owens had a rider to go with it that he needed green M and M's only in his room and who knows you know, some you know certain types of towels or something and and they wouldn't meet those well, demands like a no. Like here's a, the thing: you could get all of that. I mean, the Hall of Fame, <laughs> the Pro Football Hall of Fame, will absolutely do anything for those guys. It's incredible. Now, you know, maybe Jerry Jones wouldn't pay for his party. Maybe he doesn't have you know like a lot of times when guys play for multiple teams. Typically, the owner will front money to them for their Hall of Fame party. Um, maybe, maybe nobody wants to do that, uh, whether it's Lurie or, you know, I, I think I know Eddie DeBartolo would have helped them out. In fact, Eddie was like, what's his deal? Does, is no one paying for his party? But, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what his deal is. But the Hall of Fame will, will meet your every need while you're there in Canton. I mean, it's incredible how well they take care of these guys. In fact, you know, when um, – uh, when Mr. D went in, he wanted he needed a, he wanted a teleprompter, and no one had ever used one before. They got him a teleprompter, and now everybody uses it. So um, there's you know there's virtually nothing they will not move heaven and earth to make these guys celebration the best it can be. I mean they really uh, take care of their of their classes. But um, I don't know like is he gonna you know how does the Hall of Fame handle this? They're not gonna ignore the fact that he's a member of the class. Do they just play a five minute video and then move on to the next guy? Uh, are we going to go? We're going to see videos to, of him doing sit-ups in the driveway. I guess. I mean, we're going to go live to wherever the hell he lives, and yeah, he's there shirtless, and you know, I mean, what what exactly is this going to become? My guess is, and I'm just spitballing here, is that Terrell wants all this attention now. And you're right; he may sell out his own event. That might be part of it. Um, but but he'll get all this attention now, and then he'll get to August and decide, you know what, I think I will go. And that'll be another story, right? Mm-hmm. The, you know, the prodigal son comes home or something. But um, I don't it, – it's she's such an attention-seeking guy that – and I know some voters that are like, you know what, that's why I didn't vote for him. And I wish I had never voted for him now. So – but it's too late. You can't take it away. He's going to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He just won't – may not do it in Canton. Hey, just to wrap it up, we mentioned a couple days ago 76ers uh, president of basketball operations, Brian Colangelo. Remember the guy with the burner accounts? Yeah, well, he resigned <laughs> without admitting guilt that uh, he had anything to do with these accounts. They called it a resignation. Yeah, it was really a firing. But those are one of those resignations where they go, we'll pay you X if you'll say you're resigned versus us firing you. Yes. Let's um, make this easy. Here, you, Here's a settlement. Go away. Yep. Yep. We're uh, mutually agreeing to uh, part ways, so. I don't know if it was his wife, him, through his wife. I don't know how this whole thing, but let that be a lesson for all of you out there with your burner accounts, and you know who you are. Um, and then the Rays, of course, they continue their series against 
the Seattle Mariners. It's going to be Wilmer Font going on the mound in one of these crazy uh, let's start the uh, stopper. And then Matt Andres will take over, and he'll get the bulk of the innings. I don't know how I feel about this anymore. What are they, three and six in these bullpen-type days? And uh, I'm starting to think that it's not so much the first guy. I think I think the you know the the sort of reliever as the opener does okay. I think it's screwing up the guy that's coming in after him that is traditionally a starter. You know, I think those guys don't know how to get loose. They've had some. I mean, Austin Pruitt. You know, on Thursday night wasn't as good, but I mean, he, but got he had a five and a five third, and a third save, scoreless yeah. to get a save. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't. You know, the psychology of it for the players, I don't know. Uh, you know, the last few games they've been playing really good teams. You know, yeah, when you're doing true. this against Seattle, that's a really good team. Yeah, and um, actually, to to that point, I mean, I, you know, Pruitt didn't pitch well. I mean, to start the game, Stanek was sort of all over the place, but he got out of a bases loaded jam. So he didn't give up a run, at least in the first. So it worked from that standpoint. But still, it, it just – I don't know. I mean, it's again, it's out of necessity. But, yeah, Wilmer Font will be your uh, your opener uh, in this game. Hey, we're here um, every Monday through Friday. We love your feedback. We love that uh, we've gotten a lot of interaction on Twitter from you guys, uh, some really good questions and comments. Keep those coming. You can reach us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. As always, we'd love for you to rate and review this podcast. That's important to us. Also important to us that you go to Continental Wholesale Diamonds and go see my friend Annie. I'm telling you, he's going to hook you up with that diamond ring engagement ring if that's what you're going to do. Or maybe you're just shopping for some jewelry for your wife or girlfriend. Go see our friend Annie. He's going to take care of you. And Steve... They can find this podcast almost anywhere by now, right? Uh, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, or any third-party app that's pulling podcasts from there. You can get it. You can subscribe to it so it's downloaded to your mobile device every day. You can like the, the episodes there, too. Or if you can't find that, then go to tampabay.com slash sports, and the latest episodes are always right there on the right side. That's all you got to do. Make sure that you uh, do that and sign up. Listen to us every day. And we appreciate you doing that. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times for Steve Versnick. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you Monday.